Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. Welcome to episode 36, From Burnout to Badass with Dr. Erin Wiseman. Before we get started into this podcast, just wanted to share a little funny story. I was trying to record this intro and realized after I had already started recording that my microphone wasn't plugged in. Then I tried to do it again and then realized that... <laughs> I didn't have my speakers on the microphone, so recorded the entire intro and then have to re-record. So these things happen. It's not a big deal, but just wanted to share it. Sometimes you get all wrapped up and get overwhelmed and stressed out and then just kind of freeze. So I hope that everyone's doing well and hanging in there. So I recorded this episode with Erin a few months ago. I actually recorded on her podcast, the Dr. Me First podcast, and then switched over and she recorded on my podcast. I do apologize that it's been so long since I've recorded this episode. If you are interested in hearing a little bit more about me expanding on my favorite word balance, head on over to her podcast. I'm truly honored to have been featured on her podcast. She's been doing this for a long time, has had so many amazing guests on her podcast very inspiring women and so so happy to have her come on to my podcast to share her story so I do want to share a little bit about her Dr. Erin Wiseman is a life coach podcaster and fierce wellness advocate who helps to inspire female physicians and working moms to do the work they love and absolutely love life Her work in the world is to openly tell how she faced professional burnout early in her family medicine career so that no one feels alone. All know that change is possible because if she can do it, so can I, and that you can have a joy-filled and sustainable career. She lives and practices life coaching and medicine in rural southwestern Indiana, loves her roles as farmer's wife, athlete, and mother of three. Besides being sassy, she enjoys getting mud on her shoes, teaching her children to catch tadpoles, and reading a great fantasy novel. You can find out more about Dr. Wiseman on her podcast, Dr. Me First, her website, truthrxs.com, or hang out on Instagram at truthrxs or LinkedIn, Aaron Wiseman Do. I will leave all that information on the show notes, and you can also check it out on our Instagram page, wishwell.health and our blog, wishwell.health.blog. I hope you all do are doing very well. Hang in there and tune in next week for more episodes. I can't believe that our first season is wrapping up. We have still have so many amazing guests, but just want to encourage you all to continue listening, tuning in, as well as leave a rating and review on iTunes if you do listen to me on iTunes. I love doing this podcast and I will continue putting out weekly episodes. Hopefully there will be more exciting things coming up that I can share with you all. Until next time, take care, stay well, and stay healthy.
Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Erin Wiseman. Dr. Erin Wiseman is a family medicine doctor. She is also a life coach, and she is also a podcaster. And I discovered her through various social media groups, and I'm so excited to have her here with us today. So welcome, Erin. Hey, it's great hanging with you, Michelle. How are you doing today? You know, it's raining a little bit here in Indiana. I'm not going to complain because the farmer husband on rainy days, he stays around and helps with the kids a little bit more. So it's kind of a nice blessing. Otherwise, he's really hitting it hard right now. It's the spring and so they're doing all their spring plantings. But I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be talking with you. Thank you so much for taking your time out today to chat with us. Um, so, um, I usually have guests who come on kind of just jump right in and I, I ask my guests what health and wellness means to them in a couple words. So I know you shared with me your phrase and I'm super excited to have you share your journey. So what does health and wellness mean to you? Well, I'm bringing all the sass today. So if there's anybody with kids in the car and listening, you need to stop it right now. (laughs) But what I'm bringing today and what my health and wellness journey has been has truly been a journey from burnout to badass. It really starts back when I was a kid and an athlete. And to me, health and wellness was always revolved around athletics. I was a multi-sport player, not just like three seasons, like I would double down and have multiple sports in the same season and play. And it was something I was so passionate about. I was a collegiate athlete. I played volleyball and soccer. And even in med school, I kept up playing volleyball on a um, USAB level team in Kansas City. So to me, it was like that was what I measured my health and wellness on was like how well I was doing in my athletic performance. Mm -hmm. But as we all know, life happens. And stuff that used to be so super important you're putting aside because you've got to study for an anatomy final or you've got to crunch it down because you've got I'm a DO so I got complex coming up and Mm -hmm. you know all of those things and as as that part of my life was was starting to be put on the back burner I I really kind of was like who am I if I'm not doing these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I kind of threw myself into my medical education. So like I said, very hard worker. I could always push myself to the absolute limit with athletics. You know, mm-hmm. when they talk about, you know, whatever your brain thinks you're done, you can, your body could go a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I, I actually would, I would know where to burn my body out. I can remember so many track races where I would finish and I was a sprinter. So I would finish my sprint and just chuck all over the grass. Like I, <laughs> I pushed my body that hard. And I was sharing with Michelle before um, we got on the podcast, just a, looking back, it's so crazy now, but knowing my personality, I mean, there was actually probably two different times that I threw myself into rhabdomyolysis from pushing so, so, so hard once in high school. And once when I was in college as well, now looking back as a medical professional, I'm like, Oh my God, I hope my kidneys are okay. (laughs) Can you uh, explain to our our non-medical listeners what rhabdo actually means? Because it's pretty serious. (laughs) It's super serious. It's super crazy too. It's, um, it's essentially where you exercise or work out or go through some physiological process that you work your muscles so hard that those proteins actually start to break up and your body can't flush them out fast enough. Um, and so then they kind of gum up inside your kidneys and then you get further problems from that. But because of like the wide destruction of those proteins, you have like 
the worst muscle soreness you will ever have in your life. Um, horrible, horrible, horribleness. And then when your pee turns brown, you know you're in bad, bad trouble. And so, so you, you did this not once, but twice. Once, I mean, once is hard twice. enough to handle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, looking back on it, of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I think it was because at that time in my late teens, my early 20s, and going into med school in my late 20s, I so much built my identity on success and how I gained successes if I was winning, if I was the best, if I was getting all the trophies, if I was qualifying for national meets, if I was getting picked for, you know, select teams or, um, you know, getting a college scholarship, instead of really knowing that my success is purely about who I am and the value that I bring in the world. And I don't know if it was inevitable that I was going to burn out in my career as well. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like how hard I pushed in my athletics, but I did. Um, I pushed through residency. I was like the star champion resident. I had two kids in residency. I was still chief at the time. I was pushing, pushing, pushing. And when I got out into practice in 2014, I looked around and where I was supposed to be like the pinnacle at the top of the mountain. And I was supposed to have felt like I've achieved it. I've done it. I got through med school. I got through residency. I've got the two kids, the husband, the white picket fence. And I was like, this is it. This is this is nothing. I felt so empty, so unfulfilled. And then getting into my career, I was like, oh my God, this is the next 30 years of my life. This is and really how it's going to go. How far were you after you had already graduate residency? Were you starting to feel um, this way? It was within the first couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because it was, you know, it was again, kind of like a race, like be better, be stronger, be faster, and it's going to work out. And, and maybe people told it to me, but maybe I just pushed aside. But what I didn't realize is like, life is really about the journey. It's mm -hmm. so about the journey. It's not about the finish line and getting there. And so I had to do a total course correction. Me being a pusher at the time, I was ready to leave medicine. I was the first doctor in my family. I was like, well, if I can do this, then I can do something else. And so I was literally Googling, how do I change my CV to a resume? Because I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to sit around and feel horrible like this and, and feel so unfulfilled that I don't even want to show up at work that I've got to get this figured out. And it was through fate, I think, that I found uh, she was a female physician in California and she was doing this thing called coaching. And having been an athlete, I was like, all right, you know, everybody needs a coach to help you. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, I'll give this life coaching thing out a try. And I shit you not it radically changed my life to uh -huh. the point so much that after working with her for a couple months, I realized that I wasn't broken, that this life wasn't broken. It was just, I had totally gotten derailed on what it is I really wanted then because med school was a line item on the, the checklist, uh -huh. residency, check, kids, check, marriage, check, home, check, big girl job with a paycheck, check. But what I don't think I knew at the end of it is like, what about joy? What about fulfillment? You know, what about relaxation and fun? I didn't even know how to do those things anymore. But yet that was what I was so craving once I had the words to name it. And that's what life coaching did for me. And it really helped shift and give me a whole realignment on like, 
what true wellness was going to look like for me. And because I had such a phenomenal experience in my own life and, and getting that realignment and working with a life coach, I looked around and I was like, hmm, where's all like the young physician mom coaches? Because we need this shit like yesterday. Mm -hmm. I needed this when I was 17 years old, let alone when I was 37. And so that's when I started to get training and yeah. And at that point too, I was again, pushing against the, like, I got to do more. I got to be more, but realized like maybe trying a side hustle, maybe trying this coaching thing would give me an outlet to stay balanced. So to not have quite the huge intensity that I have a propensity towards, mm -hmm. but then also make me walk my talk my new talk because it was it was very hard at first not to fall back into those neural tracks of like do harder push better be thinner you know all of those things when it was just like just embracing what it is and learning a lot of those mindfulness tools and just really reminding myself like who I am in this moment and not fixating on who I used to be or who I want to be and working really hard for that. And so that was um, a big part of my journey to health and wellness. And now that's what I help other female physicians do and other female professionals is really help that realignment in their life and say, look, life has happened. Things have changed. And is this really what you want to be? Because if it's not, I can help with that. Well, I think that's so incredible that you have what you went from being coach yourself to then becoming a coach. And can you talk to us a little bit about, so you mentioned that right now you coach uh, women. So is your life coaching, it's just for women or do you coach women and men? I coach whoever comes to me and feels like my message is aligned with them. So if they identify as female or if they identify with male, that doesn't matter to me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I would say that, what it really comes down to is the people that I resonate are similar personality types of who mm -hmm. I was and who I currently am. And for those who look and be like, not that I've got it all figured out, because I'm not going to say that at all, mm -hmm. but I'm just five or 10 steps ahead now realizing like, oh, we can do this smarter now instead mm -hmm. of driving your head into the brick wall. It's like, hmm, maybe just like move five feet over and open the door, Aaron. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you talked about being burnt out um, when you got out of residency and started your practice. So do you think that it was, you were burnt out because of um, all that you were doing and kind of pushing yourself or were there specific aspects of clinical medicine that made you feel burnt out? I think it's definitely a combination of systemic issues and mm -hmm. individual t tendencies, to be perfectly honest. Um, I fully admit that part of it was me um, as like I mentioned, like just pushing harder, trying to be the best, like part of it was not identifying coping mechanisms that were helpful in the beginning, but then be kind of came kryptonite later, specifically around like perfectionism and intensity. You know, it's great to have a doctor who really wants to get things absolutely perfectly right. Mm -hmm. But when that leads to staying up to 1 a.m. in the morning trying to get notes done, when that um, leads to doubting yourself because you want it to be absolutely perfect and you didn't get the message, maybe you were out that day when they told you that medicine isn't perfect, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, so I, I fully acknowledge that part of it was me and, and I needed to grow and I needed to change and shift and realize that the world was not black and white, how that I thought it was, but it's actually so many spectrums of gray mm-hmm. um, and get out of that all or none thinking. And what really helped me on that is just learning, learning mindset work, learning what growth mindset is versus fixed mindset, learning what adapted perfectionism is versus maladapted perfectionism. And, and learning that these are all superpowers that when harnessed for good, do great things. Mm-hmm. I talk to my clients a lot about like fire. Fire is a really great tool to use. Like we can light candles, we can cook our food, we can keep our homes warm, but also fire can be extremely destructive. You know, we burn down part of Australia because of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, think about all the other things that fire can do that can be extremely destructive. Mm-hmm. So it's how you harness it. But on the flip side, like I said, individual, but I really feel like there's a lot of systemic and cultural issues in medicine that helped contribute to my burnout. Um, I won't say that I came from a malignant program in residency, but I also would say that it wasn't the absolute 100% best either. Mm -hmm. I think there was some underlying cultural issues um, that need to go away, like treating residents and doctors as if we are robots. I think we have to start learning to express our feelings early and often. I think also um, treating doctors like we're superheroes because in a matter of fact, we're actually just human like everybody else. And we're just trying to do the very best that we can do. And in that moment, that's, that's all you can rely on. Um, And also knowing that it's not up to you to save everyone. Mm -hmm. One message that was really important for me is that there's a finite number of people that I can help. And they don't tattoo that number on your forehead. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to play with it and figure it out. And so always seeing one more, always taking care of one more, always staying late for that late call in. That's actually not helpful because then you're pushing beyond your limit of what you can do. And then the other thing too about as far as, um, you know, I was kind of on the cusp when wellness was starting to come into residency and we would have to sit in with lectures. But then when we actually put like the practical application of wellness, like when you were post-call because you'd been up all night with a laboring patient, you got bad mouthed about going home if you had yeah. a clinic that day. Yeah. Or if you had a fever, like it was like, well, can you come in and do a half day? And now I look at it and I'm like, F no, I can't come in. They've got yeah. a fever. They're sick. Like it's not about toughening people up anymore. I really feel like in training and, and I work with residents now. I really emphasize with them that this is not about just making you a brilliant doctor. I'm here to help you to be an amazing person. Mm-hmm. And I want you to walk out of this program feeling like you've grown in all aspects of your life, not just in medicine. Because how I felt is like there was parts of me that I had to almost trim away. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that was self-induced. Like I had thoughts that a good doctor should do this and shouldn't do that and should look like this and shouldn't look like that. When in fact, a good doctor shows up exactly who she is and how she is. Mm-hmm. And people resonate with that. Yeah. So, and the other thing too is, again, being an overachiever, I had my first kid four months into residency as I was an intern. And I had my second kid in the middle of my third year. I was not prepared for motherhood. I, I read all the books. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely an, an overachiever in that. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that prepares you quite like bringing that new life in. And I, again, I thought it was just another one of the checklists that it was just going to be like kid number one, check, kid number two, check. 
And I did not allow my expectations to shift in a lot of ways. I didn't allow my expectations to be like, okay, life is going to be fundamentally different now. To me, it was just like adding in something new. And I didn't allow myself to do that until actually when I had my third baby. And so, so much better now, so much less frustration, so much less um, uh, anger and irritation because, you know, now I'm like, even though I want to have everything planned out to the nth detail, there's a lot of times where we just go the no plan plan. And it's like, we're just going to figure it out as it happens. And your third kid, when did you have your third child in, in this whole journey? Um, I had her, I got pregnant with her around the time that I started my business, actually, my oh. coaching business. And so I, then I had her early in 2016. So, I mean, do you think that that time frame when you had that mindset, sh- mindset shift, that also could have contributed to, you know, how you're feeling in terms of um, how you were approaching it? Oh, 100%. 100% different. I, yeah. Motherhood was... Um, motherhood times three was much different than motherhood the first time around. And, Mm -hmm. and even looking at my recovery postpartum, it was different, you know, instead of, um, negative self-talk, like you should be doing this, you should be getting up, you should be trying to at least do 10 setups a day, two days postpartum is, is where I looked at them. I'm like, we're just going to do what we can do. And that's going to be good enough for today. And, it's funny that my oldest is now eight, my, the kid I had in, um, my intern year in residency. And he, the other day, as we were talking, he was like, mom, I'm glad you're a happy mommy now. And, you know, it just breaks my heart because at some point he knew that I wasn't, Mm -hmm. even though he was a really little kid at the time when I was making all these shifts, he would have been about three or four. Mm -hmm. Um, but he knew, he knew that, you know, something was going on with mom. And, and that's why I so encourage women today to not wait, not wait till their kids get out of the house, not wait till they get bigger, like make the changes today. And if not for you, for your kids, so that someday they can look you in the eye as well and say, I'm so glad that you're a happy mommy now. That is so profound and definitely, um, you know, something to really consider if you do have kids that there is no better time than today to make a, a positive change. Um, real quick, just to kind of go back to what you were talking about in terms of, um, your experience in residency and, um, and that type of mindset. Um, I think a lot of women or just people in medicine in general are that perfectionist type A personality. Otherwise, how can you get through medical school? I mean, it's grueling and definitely in in my training as well, we used to say, you don't call in sick, um, unless you're on your deathbed. And that was something like we joked about and, but we took it seriously as well. And I was an anesthesia residency. So it was like, if, if you call in, somebody's going to have to cover your rooms, you know, there really is no, nobody to cover you. And so it's kind of like a double-edged sword because, you know, on the one hand, you know, you want to think about wellness and, you know, physician wellness and well-being, but on the other hand, you know, people have to cover for you. So it's really hard, I think, in training. And then that mindset mentality definitely goes with you once you're out of training. So it really is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where you have to start making shifts on an organizational level is to allow for the human side to happen, Mm -hmm. allow for, to know people are going to get pregnant and have babies. People are going to get sick. Um, People are going to have huge life changing occurrences and they're going to have to take a leave. And actually that's okay. 
-hmm. instead of that being like, oh my God, what are they going to do? It's like, okay, we got this covered. Like we will figure it out type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. I may remember being told with my first kid, I, since I was an intern and technically by the hospital's employment, like, you know, you have to be there a year before you get paid FMLA. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, you don't have any time accrued. And if you miss more than X number of days in your rotation, then you're going to have to repeat your first year. And I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah, I know. That <laughs> That's is the last thing happening. that anybody wants. <laughs> so um, even though when I was off, I was still um, doing some like cart, um, some chart coverage. Uh -huh. And I went back in like four weeks postpartum with that yeah. first kid because I was like, I am not uh -huh. repeating this year again. Uh -huh. And and so I really think it comes down to bringing the humanistic side back into everything we're doing. I mean, we know, I'm getting ready to give a, a talk on this coming up, that we know the statistics. Women now make up a majority of medical school classes. Mm -hmm. But six years out, there's only 30% of them left who are working full-time. Everybody else is either going part-time or leaving medicine altogether. Mm -hmm. And so... To me, this is not an individual issue. This is not an individual of, you know, one mother wants to decide to stay at home with her kids or, you know, it's not a case-by-case -case basis. This is a systemic issue that's showing us that women who decide to start families and have a medical career, we can't do it. It's a round, round peg square hole kind of situation. But yet we know through Medicare data and through patient experience um, women physicians have a better mortality, morbidity rate. Patients spend longer with us. They feel more connection with us and they bring their family more likely to a female physician than a male physician. Mm -hmm. So there's just a big, huge disparity, um, that it, it's time to look at that. And, and I think there's some really creative solutions that are happening, um, with practice sharing, um, definitely now through we went through the shift of COVID, people realize like, oh my God, like maybe you can do telemedicine and see people from your home and take care of them in a good and kind way. Right. I mean, of course, nothing beats a physical exam, but I think that there is some flexibility that before with the system, they've just not been willing to, to make because this is how we've always done it. Mm -hmm. But I'm a, a big supporter of like, yeah, well, how's that going for you? You yeah. know, like you're losing so many, there's a leaky pipeline for women. Yeah. You wonder why we don't have women in leadership. It's, it's because we can't even get our feet under us early in career. Yeah. So, um, I'm excited to see, I think that there's been a no better time to be in medicine. I get the question a lot. Like, would you encourage your kids to be a doctor now? <laughs> Five years ago, I just said, absolutely not. I will never let them do that. Mm -hmm. But now coming through my own journey from being utterly burned out to now feeling like getting back into my badassery, I'd be like, absolutely. If that is the desire in their heart, I'm going to support them 110%. And mm -hmm. then I'm also going to help them be level and balanced mm -hmm. and call them out when it's getting a little pathologic. Yeah. And I think there is a way um, to, to practice medicine the way you want to. And it sounds like um, you have made that shift to practice the way that is in alignment with, um, with you and your life. And, uh, <laughs> and that's exactly what I help coach other women to do now as well. Mm -hmm. I have so many people who come to me and they're like, really, is the grass really greener? Or they'll ask the question of like, can I really have what I want? Can I really only work two days a week and still be relevant and still be a good clinician? Mm -hmm. And it's so exciting now because now having done this work for five years, I'm like, absolutely. 
-hmm. Is it going to be easy? Nope. But have you done hard things before? You bet you have. Mm -hmm. And so really helping people craft and curate their life that they want to jump out of bed every morning to do that is my life's work. And that's mm -hmm. the exciting thing. And so what I would give your listeners who are like, really wise men? Really? <laughs> the first thing I would do is tell them to sit down and make two different lists. So the mm -hmm. first list is um, what do you want in your life? What do you want to be doing? What are you so passionate about that you get lost in it? Those things that you love. Mm -hmm. And then on your other list are, are your hell no's. What are you never, never doing again? I am never doing um, one in three call ever again. I'm just not doing it. That I'm with hell you. <laughs> and you know, there's, there's other things. And if you can clearly identify that for yourself, then as you start looking for these opportunities, and maybe it's just going and talking to your current position and saying, this, this, and this is no longer working for me. However, this and this could be a possible solution. Mm -hmm. And when you can go to an employer to do that, I would say a good majority of the time they're willing to work with you because they want you. They see the value they bring. And if said employer is like, no, we're not interested in making any changes, then you know it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And so as you look for the next position, you can be very clear when it comes down to the contract negotiation or even when you're interviewing for the position to be like, no, actually, I'm not doing that. And if that's a hard you know, line for you here, thank you so much for the free lunch. I'll keep you in mind in the future. And by doing that kind of work, not only does it give you so much clarity in what you want out of life and how you can maintain and be balanced, it helps you grow your confidence and your courage. And let me tell you so much, that is what we all need in this world is those three C's. We need, we need to grow that confidence that we really are valuable and we can do great things. We need to have the courage to ask for those things and then have the clarity to say no when it's time. I think that's just very, very profound. Well, Michelle, I just so appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk about um, kind of exactly that the where I was in my health and wellness to where I'm going now and just to share it with anybody else who has these propensities as well you know it's still something that I think I will always always deal with um, you know worrying about burning out again but now I have so many great measures I have so much buffer room built into my life. And I have so many wonderful people who have seen this journey and hold me accountable to it that um, I don't see how I can li live life any differently now. Yeah, that's just so beautiful. And like I said, it's such a hard place for a lot of people to be in and it's uncomfortable to make that ask. But I think um, you are an example of someone who did and you've journeyed from burnt out to badass. <laughs> so I think that's so beautiful. Um, so we are running out of time and I could just stay and talk to you forever because I love, I love hearing your story and I love hearing all that you're planning on doing in the future, which is comes to my last question. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Mm, girl, you know, <laughs> if I stayed exactly where I am right now, I would be truly happy. Um, coaching. I love it. My podcast, Dr. Me First is so much fun. Tell us about the podcast real fast. Yeah. So um, it's called Dr. Me First. Um, it's more of these kind of talks where we just get real and authentic and we talk about everything from life and practice and 
everything in between mm -hmm. and how we all can um, share our stories and grow together mm -hmm. and really doctor ourselves first. So I'd encourage any podcast listeners, hop over. Even if you're not a doctor, it's totally fine. You are so welcome to the tribe. Mm -hmm. But where I would see myself in five years, I would love to be a change maker in healthcare. I would love to be part of the movement that enables all people to flourish in medicine and in practice medicine and to support my peers. And, you know, and the great thing is too, I still practice. I didn't leave medicine. Mm -hmm. I'm actually still doing it. And I'm so thankful for that. And I want to be the example for so many other people to say, you can have balance, you can have wellness, you can practice medicine, you can do anything that you absolutely want to do. And it just starts with that first small step. So I think that's where I see myself in five years. Definitely don't want any more kids. We're good. The three <laughs> wise men. I tell everybody you know, three wise men in the Bible. So we'll just hang with that. Um, yeah. And, and I would love to, I think there's a couple books in my future. Um, if I was going to dream big, maybe some kind of like Netflix special. I don't know. But, that sounds so uh, fun. <laughs> I know I'm, I know I've got the ball moving, so I'm going to keep it going. Well, I love, I would love to see what you are up to in the next couple of years. And hopefully I can also join you to be a change maker. And lastly, um, if, if people want to reach out to you or find you, how can they find you? Mm, I love Instagram. So mm -hmm. find me, it's Aaron Wiseman, Aaron with two R's. Um, I go under the handle truth RXS. So truth prescriptions, cause I love to write those or come over and hang out with you at the podcast. Those are probably the two best areas to hang. Awesome. Thank you so much again for taking your time out to chat with us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.